Ah, it's so great seeing you guys. Yeah, we've been talking about this forever. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got our schedules together. All right, here's some brews to make up for the money I just won off you suckers. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you won't disturb anyone upstairs if I put on some tunes, will it? No, no, it'll be oh, fine. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. Cut loose. Oh, oh great. Oh, classic. Classic, <laughs> yeah. La, 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 la. You know, uh, I think this was the first song I ever learned on guitar. Yeah, my grandpa taught me how to play it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, music was a real bond between us. You know, he bought me my first turntable, gave me his entire record collection after he passed away. I got a lot of great memories of just sitting around, listening to albums with them. You know, he's I'm always, him. always, always with you, man. No, no, I know. I know, especially since I carry his ashes around with me in this Jamba Juice cup. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. It's hard to get by just upon a smile. Why is there a straw in there? Because uh, So he can breathe. Baby, baby, it's a wild world. I always remember you like a child girl. You know what this song reminds me of? My dad. Oh, nice. Yeah, he always had our ups and downs. He's certainly no angel, but he's my dad, you know. Yeah. Aren't you guys estranged? Yeah, we haven't seen each other in years. I feel terrible about it. It's only recently I found out where he was living. Go ahead, you call him? I tried, but by the time I found his number, several Navy SEALs had killed him and thrown his body in the ocean. Yeah. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild. I did inherit his sweet porn collection, though. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. Always remember you like a child girl. You know, one of my patients was humming this song the other day. Oh, yeah. How is it being a doctor? Oh, I love it. You know, I feel like I'm really helping people. I give them their yearly checkup. The only thing they don't like is that prostate exam, you know, and I gotta put my finger up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with the sensation. It's a little awkward and uncomfortable for them, but you know, you gotta get your prostate checked, right? Yeah, prevention is everything. Yeah, I just hope none of my lady patients find out they don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. It's hard to get by just upon a smile. Now, you're a dentist, right? That is correct. <laughs> Baby, it's a wild world. I always remember you like a child girl. You guys know how I like to dress up in a full scuba suit and then hide in the bottom of porta potties and take pictures, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's how we met. Yeah. It's just who I am. I even put together a coffee table book called Porta Potty Hotties, A View from Below. Oh, nice! Hey, now, is that on Amazon? No, I never published it. I just made one copy. Man, I'd really love to see that. Well, I don't have it anymore. I gave it away. Best Mother's Day present I ever gave. Yeah. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. It's hard to get by just upon a smile. It's a wild world. Abs in a six pack. Abs in a six pack. Hello, abs in a six pack. Abs 
in a six pack is not the greatest podcast in the world. I know abs in a six pack is a bad show, but what else do you have going on? Shitmyass.com. 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 It's Abs in a Six Pack, episode 215. I'm here live with Jeff, and whoa, where's my... You know what I haven't used in a long time, Jeff, is the air horn, and I don't even know if I have it. Shit. Oh, fuck. Well, it's a new live son of a bitch. This is a new live son of a bitch. Thanks for joining me, man. How you doing tonight? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're getting the first uh, chilly weather of the winter, and I'm enjoying that. That heat wave last week was was stupid so you know just uh joining the uh the impending winter i thought you were gonna say impending apocalypse but that's better yeah Dark- is it not implied it's- <laughs> <laughs> uh i think it was was it the the dark winter is that what fauci and joe biden were talking about for a while the dark winter oh that's right yeah man that oh. was uh 2021 yeah we're in 22? for a dark winter What's going on? We're in for God, a dark like winter. That's what's going on. Now they call it ages ago. Now, now Joe Biden absorbed the dark winter and became dark Brandon. Is what I'm. I think happened. <laughs> that that uh, yeah, he must have been pumped full of a, a shit ton of pervitin for that speech, and then they had to give him tapioca and put him to bed afterwards. <laughs> the guy, some ambrosia the salad. The guy <laughs> ambrosia salad. Wow, the eighties are back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he gets amped up for some of these speeches, and it's so clearly different from his demeanor at any other time. And uh, it, you know the uh, the the Wehrmacht was was hopped up on pervitin. Uh, that's what it was called. Is basically is essentially crystal meth. And those those guys could fight for days with very little food, water, or sleep. And uh, I, I have a feeling that's what they're doing to Biden. They're giving him something. Something to amp them up when necessary, when they got to roll them out. Mm. Yes. 40 bucks for a half ounce. <laughs> Either the market for crystal meth fell off a cliff or I just bought a bag of rat poison. <laughs> Only one way to find out. <laughs> I miss him every day. Oh, Norm. That was one of the, yeah, my favorite cartoon characters ever was Pigeon from Mike Tyson Mysteries. Oh, that's right. Man, does that, that, that was like a flash in the pan, right? Two or three seasons. Man, I think I they did four that. or five. Um, but yeah, it's that was a it was hit or miss. But when it was good, I mean that show was really good. Mike Tyson. Mentioned. Yeah, yeah. No, Tyson. He's uh, not the first time he's done four to five, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. yeah, there you go. I'll give you a rim shot for that. <laughs> first time was for rape. Remember that podcast <laughs> I had to record? Well, I have good news and bad news. Which do you want to hear first? I myself, I like the bad news first. Kind of softens the blow a little bit so that... Shut up. Jesus, you talk so much for someone who has nothing to say. Just give me the news and get the f*** out of here. All right. Let's... Uh, you, you wanted to talk about the crumbling... Or the the, uh, the crumbling state of affairs of the American city, if I'm not mistaken. So <clears throat> I figured we could just spend an hour reading FBI crime statistics just to be extra racist. <laughs> yeah, to the extent that any of those are, are even <laughs> accurate anymore. Right. Mike Tyson process today would be labeled, you know, Norwegian. Well, I, I think they stopped. Um, I think they intentionally started lowering the accuracy of the murders 
the FBI uh, murder statistics after uh, by accident they um, the FBI reported zero murders in Newtown, Connecticut, uh, in 2012. So if they, af- after that, they were like, <laughs> after that, I think they said, uh, you know what? Let's just intentionally make these statistics inaccurate so that uh, we can kind of uh, cover up the fact that for the first time ever, uh, we <laughs> were inaccurate in, or, or maybe accurate in 2012 on that one. Whoops. Zero, zero murders. Yeah. Uh, the decline and fall of the American metropolis. You know, it's just, it didn't, didn't have to be. So you watch, um, old, uh, like Charles Bronson movies or any of the action movies from like, like the gritty, like kind of underground pulp shit from the seventies and eighties. And you look, you see these shots of New York and it was a shithole. I mean, it was a horrible place mm-hmm. to be. Uh, just, I mean, Pimps and hoes out in broad daylight. Everything was graffiti, boarded up. The the subway uh, cars. I mean, I know everyone you know remembers those old or has seen those old images of how awful New York was. And then you look at parts of it today, and I mean, they're not there, but the trajectory is taking them there. I mean, everything's boarded up. I mean, Fifth Avenue is. Not a ghost town, but it's just not what it was in the 90s, you know? It, it, Kevin McAllister lost in New York. What was that? 90. Home Alone 2 would have been what, 95, 96? Uh, well, we have the Book of Knowledge. Let's check it out. I That was the one with Trump and the Bird Lady and all that. Trump and the Bird Lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Home Alone 2 lost in New York. That was uh, 1990. No, sorry, the sequel oh. to the 1990 film. 1992. Yes. 1992. 92. Okay. 92. So New York was, was still ascendant under Giuliani at that point. I mean, he goes running around New York today. He's likely to get raped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Accosted. No, you, uh, you can talk about rape on this show. There's been way, way worse topics of conversation. This is good. Oh. Yo, it's 2016, and if you're not cool with homosexuals in your schools teaching your kids about butt sex... That's the closest thing I had to a Kevin McAllister rape us. <laughs> that was the closest? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Sorry. My, my major metropolis, uh, I, I escaped about three years ago, just actually the week before city started shutting down because of the, the coof. Um, we purchased a house and escaped DC and DC has gone. It's just not the city. It was, are you familiar with the layout of DC at all? Yeah, I've been there twice, but last time was 2012. So it's been over a decade. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically think of a clock and everything Southeast, like two o'clock to about six o'clock. I mean, you would never go. You just, you won't go. (laughs) I would never go. Um, But everything outside of that was always pretty good. Mm -hmm. And now uh, DuPont Circle is just a stone's throw from the White House. It's one of the major social hubs of the city. Uh, Shopping, nightlife, eating, work, live. I lived in that area for a while and now it's full of tents and it was never like that. 
And I just, I don't know where this comes from, where the city leaders are in letting the infrastructure just crumble and decay around us. I really, I don't get it. I don't get it. Where do you think it comes from? I, it seems like they're getting more and more brazen with just siphoning off tax dollars for scams. Uh, and so more and more of that money is not going where it should. And thus, uh, the infrastructure crumbles, the, that combined with the Bidenomics and the inflation and everything. I, it's just, there's more homelessness and, and more desperation, thus more drug abuse, more crime. Uh, and, but there's always been, I don't know if it's the siphoning tax dollars or money laundering scams or what the hell's going on. But since I was a kid, uh, Sevierville is a great example. Like uh, the exit that you get off to go towards uh, Sevierville, Gatlinburg, Dollywood on I-40. Mm-hmm. There was that whole road going through Kodak that for a solid decade was under construction. And I was I remember just for 10 straight years being like, what are they doing? There's construction. There's construction cones and construction workers out here. And it's been like this most of my life. What is going on? It's uh, I, I don't know. It's it just seems like there's it's just a everything's a scam and they're getting more and more brazen with it. Thus, uh, more the cities are getting worse and worse shape. I think there's a lot of uh, converging factors, but that seems to be one of them. But it feels intentional, right? Like it's not just like it's not just happening. It's it's being done. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I see it. And I agree. Yeah, there are definitely converging factors, but there's, there's something, there's an intelligence guiding it to what end. I, I just can't, I can't fathom. And then when you throw on, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of migrants into these cities that are already struggling to keep up with what they have and any kind of basic services where, I mean, where does it all go? I just, I, I have a, a family member who's in um, ICE and, and he's actually out in Southern California. So he's, you know, on the front lines and there's just no explanation. There's no rhyme or reason. I mean, essentially since 2020 election, he's been on a paid vacation and, and I hate to say that. I mean, he admits it. He says, it's like, look, we, we don't do much. We, we process a handful here or there just because, you know, to have something to do or if they're violent criminals, but in terms of actually enforcing the border uh, security and, and doing what one expects of immigration and customs enforcement, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely intentionality behind it. And New York is feeling the brunt of it. And I've actually been, do you remember, was it two years ago now? One year, uh, Last last year, when they sent those migrants to Martha's Vineyard, was it yeah. Santis who yeah, Santis yeah, yeah. paid for Texas migrants to be shipped up there? So I've spent some time in Martha's Vineyard. I know that area. I know exactly where they were, and I know the kind of people up there. And I said, I, I knew, I told people, I said, those people will not last there for more than a day. And, and I think it was forty eight, maybe seventy two hours later, they shipped them out because these people are just they're hypocrites. Right, they're hypocrites. It's like the the leaders and the elites do not suffer the consequences of the policies that they they foist upon, you know, the hoi polloi, and they're never going to to live in that world. You remember, is it George H. W. Bush? It's a famous uh, in- interview where he was being asked like what he thought the price of things. Oh no, I'm sorry. 
he, he was in a grocery store and he didn't know what the scanner was. He had never like seen such a thing before because he doesn't ever go to the grocery store. These people don't live the world we live, we live in. I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know if I've seen that clip of, of him saying that, but it's, it's not ringing a bell, but there's, uh, there's a uh, dating myself, but no, I was young when I saw it. I, I, the, the main thing I remember from that era was all the times HW Bush said, uh, um, what we it. need is to form a new world order and all that. Uh, ah, yes. I mean, I was Clinton. God, I don't know. I was, how old was it? When, uh, I guess I was six when Clinton took over for Bush. Um, oh, okay. You were I'm, six. I was nine. Or sorry, no. When when Bush took Bush W replaced Clinton, I guess because I was seven when nine eleven happened. So I'm oh, a little. Shit. I'm, well, I got outed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a. You tricked I, me. No, I'm. I'm just. Uh, I'm trying to because I. I. With since my dad was. Uh, my dad was a big Infowars Alex Jones guy, so I I was kind of introduced to W. Bush uh, and the new New World Order speeches at a young age. Sorry, I'm getting us off track, but I was I was kind of thinking that out as I went along the timeline there. But there's well, maybe it. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Go ahead. Maybe it's not that far off track, actually, because if we're if we're in agreement, it's intentional. It's not simply you know, a, a, a mustache twirling plan to destroy cities, right? It's just part of a bigger plan. So mm-hmm. you look at, what is it? Um, where does that hot right-wing blonde chick come from? Uh, Eva, what is that? The Netherlands? Holland? Um, um, I, I like right? Lauren Southern. Is that what you're talking about? No, although she's... Well, she's a mother now, but she's also hot. Um, that Netherlands chick, uh, they, they met, they, I think Adam Curry has a crush on her because they talk about her a lot on No Agenda, but the, I think <laughs> it is the Netherlands. I just checked out Eva Vlander Karbrook. Eva, Eva, Eva Vlander Karbrook. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who this is. <laughs> oh, okay. So I found her on the Twitter Netherlands at Eva Vlander. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a sight to see. So, the Netherlands is being is actually a major agrarian exporter. I had no idea, and it's being the farmers there are are, are leading almost a two year revolt now. I mean, clashing with police. It's not just uh, you know they're tweeting mean things. They're doing stuff. They're they're really pushing back, and the Netherlands has been has been selected as like the world city or an example of that, and it's just going to be a massive city. I mean, they're just going to take all the, the farming, all the, the milk. It's a major dairy exporter. They're going to take all that away. And when you have what's happening in Ukraine and Russia being off the, off the books, essentially, it's like, where is Europe going to continue to get its food? But it's to build this massive city. And that's, that goes back to like that new world order mentality uh, that you always heard about. I'm sure you grew up hearing about it. Sounds like of just constantly an anti-human agenda. But see, I don't know where it's going. I, I just what, don't. You're, you're kind of taking it where I was actually uh, wanting to go later, but that's good. Uh, Cause you, it's kind of in the same way you have to destroy the economy and devalue the U S dollar for people to accept a digital currency and embrace it. 
in the same way you have to make uh city life so unlivable and terrible that people will start embracing things like uh this right here the 15 minute city before the recent lockdowns around the world we led hectic lives with long commutes and not enough time to spend with our families and friends. Traffic polluted our air and smog blanketed our skylines. What if it could be different? What if we could create a new normal where we reclaim our time, our health and well-being and our communities? This is the idea behind the 15-minute city. A growing movement to make our lives in cities more convenient, less stressful, and more sustainable. A 15-minute city is one where everything we need is close to home, where communities are safe and inclusive, where the air is clean. A 15-minute city is one where it's easy to get goods and services. Fresh groceries, health care, and other amenities are all just a short trip away. A 15-minute city is one where everyone has a place. A 15-minute city has affordable, accessible, and adaptable housing for households of all sizes and ages. A 15-minute city means that you can work close to home or work remotely more often. And we all play a role in our neighborhood. What if we don't go back to life as it was? What if we already have the power to change how we live? Together, we can reimagine and create the future we want. One that is cleaner, safer, healthier, and more inclusive. And gives us back valuable time to enjoy the little things. And that's it right there. What if we don't go back to the way it was? So, COVID even was... Uh, the lockdowns of COVID was... a. Uh, not even a trial balloon for the vaccine passport, like a lot of people thought it was, including myself. I think it was a trial balloon for getting, keeping people in their homes and and uh, off the streets. <laughs> Unless you were, of course, uh, involved in the the George Floyd protest, kind of got a pass on that. But other than that. Well, I mean, that was essential. It was an essential <laughs> uh, part of life. Um Yeah. God, sidebar. Did you see it? Like, it just was released that he did not die from any kind of trauma from the officer. It was fentanyl. He, he yeah. overdosed on fentanyl, man. It, Are they going to let that um, cop out of jail now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So get 2020 over, over again. Days of rage. The summer I mean, that, of that dude was still a retarded asshole. There was way better ways he could have done than kneeling on that guy's neck. But yeah, it, uh, it was, I think early on, it was pretty obvious that that was a fentanyl thing, but it's nice that it was now confirmed. 90% of the people you talk to will never know that. Yeah. <laughs> 99% probably. You know what? Screw it. Everyone except me you talk to will never know that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you, you know, when you build a road, right, what's the first step you have to do to create a new road, a new shiny brand new road that's going to be great to drive on? The first thing you have to do is you have to destroy the existing one. Get that jackhammer out. Yep. You got to jack the ham. Yeah. Jack the shit out of it. You got to tear it all up. And that's no good anymore. Well, actually, 90% of asphalt is recycled anyway. Rubbleized. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what, what's happening now. And, you know, I used to think it had to do, and uh, I'll just lift this 
you know, unabashedly, I got this from no agenda, but I, I, I dug into it. This is probably a year, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, where they were talking about um, a government program and they were accusing or they were suggesting that people like Bezos, Amazon was taking advantage of this, where you have an emergency development zone in a city. And it used to be something that was used by governments during or after a natural disaster. So you would essentially encourage people to redevelop with insane tax breaks. But it's been used now more from just decay or civil unrest. And if you look at a lot of areas where this is happening, I, I don't have, I haven't done enough of the research on this to say that I know this or that I can prove it or that I have, but there is evidence to suggest that these development zones are being used to purchase land on the cheap. And then what, you know, what can be done with it from there? You know, who knows? Um, have you heard about that? I think so. Yeah. I, I but like you, I haven't looked too closely into it. By the way, uh, no beret in the chat room says you sound like the guy from the Jimmy Dorse show. And I think he means Kurt Metzger. <laughs> Do I really? Well, I have no sense with my own voice. Uh, Kurt Metzger. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Kurt Mesker's great. <clears throat> yeah, he is. He is. That that I like that show. Jimmy, man, talk about evolution of of some people. I, I mean, this is not. I mean, talk the evolution of someone like Jimmy Dore, or um, who's Bill that? Maher, even Bill Maher. Absolutely. That and was Joe one Joe says this about. a lot, but he's right. The how far even Doctor Drew has come. <laughs> Joe from OBG. yes. Yeah, Dr. Drew has come Dr. Along, Drew right? is Alex the Alex Jones of twenty years ago is current day Dr. Drew. Um and then who's the actor uh that they they're going after? They they threw some oh, Russell Brand. assault at him and things like, Yeah, Russell Brand. Yeah. Um yeah, that didn't stick. That didn't seem to go anywhere. I don't I think that was a clear hit takedown and uh it didn't have any legs. Um so yeah, so the cities. Uh can I read a quick passage from a book? Yes. Um, so this is from Cities and Civilization, written by Sir Peter Hall, fucking Englishman. And uh, it was published in 1995. But towards the end of the book, one of the light, later chapters, as he's looking forward, um, you know, what, where are the cities going? So this is 28 years ago. But I thought this was apt. In the same ways the hypertext removes the limitations of the printed page, the post-information age will remove the limitations of geography. Digital living will include less and less dependence upon being in a specific place at a specific time, and the transmission of space itself will start to become possible. As we move towards such a digital world, an entire section of the population will be or feel disenfranchised. When a 50-year-old steelworker loses his job, Unlike his 25-year-old son, he may have no digital resilience at all. It's almost uh, sounds like industrial society in its future, the uh, Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, Uncle Dr. Ted. Uh, so many of the – there's been people who've seen what's coming, and we're just so distracted that, you know, what does a typical person have to do, you know, of our age. So, you know, they got to go to work, got to maintain your home, got to go grocery shopping after work, 
got to pick up the kids, got to take them to their stupid soccer. You know, you got to make sure everybody has a nice, nutritious dinner, uh, get their homework done, read to them, put them to bed, maybe have a little bit of time with the wife. Maybe you don't have a kid, but, you know, you've got other responsibilities. When you're young, you got to, you know, go out on a date to find someone. You know, there's all these distractions in life. And so most people just don't have the bandwidth to pay attention but if you just open your eyes, it's so naked now. It's so blatant and in your face. All you have to do is open your eyes. I have friends who have been like doubling and tripling down on DC when I left three years ago. And I would tell them, you know, guys, the city's changing and I'm not going to have a family in, in the city. I'm, I'm not, I just don't see how that would ever work. Uh, I want some land. I want some green space. You know, I don't want to be on top of anyone anymore. They doubled down and now they're, they're dealing with it. They're in the shit and the interest rates have got them stuck and the prices in, in the DC, Northern Virginia or Maryland suburbs, prices have gone out of control. So the prices are higher. The interest rate is insane, triple, quadruple actually what I have and they're stuck and they're complaining. You know, my, my one good friend of a long time, he's saying, you know, there's not a day I walk down the street without seeing needles or feces. There's drug deals constantly all times of day and night. They have found two bodies on his street OD'd in the past, you know, within this year. So in the past eight to 10 months, uh, there's gunshots constantly. And, and he's like, where did this all come from? You know, I'm like, well, it's, it's a logical result of the police defunding. It's the logical result of diverting resources, and it's absolutely the logical result of AGs saying, we're not going to prosecute crime. You can get away with it. With it. You know, it, and then you've got roving bands of, of, of teenagers so that the CVS in the capital city of our country has nothing on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. It's halfway and, to clockwork uh, orange. I uh, real quick. I did. Yeah, the droogs are out. <laughs> you made me. Uh, you made me think. Okay, so you said you were saying everybody's distracted from what's happening all around them, and it made me think. Uh, like I have a, uh, my son just turned two years old, and this sometimes distracting your kid is necessary when he, especially when he's wanting to do something that he's not allowed to do, or or just like you know, just trying to get him to. Uh, I. Getting a two-year-old to just sit still for something you can do something is like make his lunch or something as simple as that. And the TV, the popping on the TV so he can watch a cartoon is perfect for that. But it's a microcosm of what the societal engineers do to all of us. The amount of entertainment and uh, yeah, most of it's garbage, but the amount of just entertainment that we are flooded with to distract us is insane. And if I'm using that on my two-year-old once in a while when I need him to just uh, be still so I can do something, that's <laughs> there's people <laughs> do using that on us. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was quite young, I'd like to say, at the time of the first Gulf War. But it was one of the first, like, really televised wars. You know, Vietnam, you know, had its... Uh, it had its visuals, but like truly, like you come home, you can turn on the nightly, you know, the television and just watch war happen. And, and that, that war was 
so theatrical. They had uh, a deck of trading cards um, uh, from the from the Gulf War. Like you had Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf. He had like <laughs> baseball trading cards. Are you serious? Had, like war trading uh, cards? Absolutely. I'm deadly serious. Wow. Uh, Saddam Hussein, you know, you had Rumsfeld, you had all the key players. Um, and it's so, it's, it's just bread and circus. It's unfortunate now, though, because, you know, the, the unrest in the Middle East can actually strike close to home. What happened in, what happened in Israel on October 7th, I was, it was actually my, my sister's wedding that day. So, you know, kind of had to watch a little bit of it in the morning and then really started getting into it on uh, that Sunday. But what happened there can happen in any other, any major European city or here in the U.S. When you look at what's going on in London, I mean, thousands and thousands of people taking to the streets and not even all of them Palestinian, Englishmen and women out there for for Palestine, Hamas. And this isn't me taking a side. This is me saying that Europe has invited in a very, very dangerous element. And I don't know how they get out of it. I don't know what they, you know. Uh, it's just. Bill Hicks had a whole thing about crime in England. You remember that? The, the stabbings? And I'm over there in England, you know. Trying to get news of the riots, you know, and all these Brit people are trying to sympathize with me. Oh, Bill, crime is horrible. <laughs> Bill, if it's any consolation, crime is horrible here, too. Shut up. <laughs> this is Hobbiton, and I'm Bilbo Hicks, okay? This is a land of fairies and elves. You do not have crime like we have crime. I appreciate you trying to be, you know, diplomatic, but you had to see English crime. If only we had crime like this, you know. It's hilarious. You don't know if you're reading the front page or the comic section over there. I swear to God. I read an article front page of the paper one day in, in England. Yesterday, some hooligans knocked over a dustbin in Shaftesbury. <laughs> that's how, that's that's how that it was until... Uh, until yeah, they started flooding migrants in there, and it's it's uh it's a long time. Like uh, I think it's there's Agenda 2030, but I'm trying to think of the UN plan. I can't remember the name of it, but it's been a long there. That was one of the big steps of it uh, is for globalism is just flooding, uh, basically di- disintegrating borders and flooding everything in. Uh, Charlie Robinson also co-authored a great book called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. And it's yeah. all just a big plan to, like we were talking about, you got you to gotta destroy something before you can rebuild it in, in your image and how you want it to be. Well, and then, so how do you, so how do you go about that? Okay, so we're not going to prosecute crime. The crime just doesn't spring up. So you have to push racial narratives to encourage people that they are justified to take to the streets, to destroy, to loot. Um, you know, so, well, then, but the narrative is, well, well, they're poor. Okay. So to feed their starving family, they got to go to Best Buy. And you unleash hundreds or thousands. You, you basically have activated. I mean, how, how honest are we going to be, Chris? How honest are we getting right now? As honest as you want. So you've activated black youth and 
they are free to go and cause a bunch of malarkey in the cities. <laughs> malarkey. And they are the useful idiots of their day. Now, bitch-ass, faggot-ass, punk-ass, pussy-ass, bitch-ass, nickel! You want to do something, bitch-ass, nickel! I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not a poet, so I couldn't have put it so beautifully. But they're the useful idiots, and the revolutions always eat themselves. So once something is accomplished, whatever the goal is, and as I've said, I, I you know, my mind now is, is working on what, where is this all heading? But when it's achieved, whatever the goal is, it's not just a demolition, right? As you said, it has to be to rebuild. But whenever the goal of the destruction, the demolition is done, okay, well, now what do you do with uneducated, massive numbers of people who have been activated towards violence? Well, you have to do away with them. They're no longer useful. Kind of gives a whole um, new meaning to the term brown shirts, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. The brown shirts, the black shirts, the, all the shirts. The shirts are just out there and they're going to be causing mayhem so you know that that's where i've been really looking at right uh lately so if you just look at a city i can speak intelligently on because it's essentially my home city so dc this is the percent change as of november 2nd from 2022 to 2023 so november 2nd 22 to november 2nd 23 homicide 31 percent I'll let you know when, when a percent is negative. Homicide, 31%. Sex abuse, 4%. Assault with a dangerous weapon, 4%. Robbery, 70%. Violent crime overall, 41%. Burglary, 2%. Motor vehicle theft, 101%. Uh, there, okay, so there's an area of, of, of light in the darkness. Theft from auto, negative 1%. Theft, other, up 21%. Arson, 125%. Property crime total is up 25%. All crime total, 27%. So. I got to say, if we, if, since it is DC, wouldn't arson be a good thing there? <laughs> Just burn the whole, I mean, I'm assuming they're not burning down the government buildings though. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if uh, in 2021, did they count the capital as an arson? <laughs> I don't think so, because nobody set anything on Well, maybe I don't think they set anything on fire. Yeah, but didn't the New York Times, remember, or was it the Washington Post? They, they, they posted that picture on January 7th, and they did the gradient color adjustment to try and make it look like the capital was on fire. Oh, that? yeah. <laughs> it's like when they, yeah. uh, that's when they use, like when they use the, color tint to make it Joe Rogan's skin look all yellow when he was, did the video saying he had COVID and used ivermectin. Yes. Uh, yeah. They made him sickly. Yes. Yeah, CNN loves doing stuff like that. I, by the way, I put the uh, link of these crime statistics for DC in the chat room. Uh, so people can check that out. Um, yeah. That's the arson is the, looks like the highest number there. Well, so the arson one, we, we, we should be always honest is, uh, it's four to nine, but you know, arson isn't, you know. Oh shit. I didn't even look people. at that. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Four to nine. Um, so it's yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. 
but still but, every, everything looks like it's going up. I don't see any. Correct. Yeah. So, so the arson one, okay. We can have, you know, a little bit of a laugh who doesn't like to set things on fire, but some of these numbers are no joke, you know, yeah. motor vehicle theft went from 2,954 to 5,934. I mean, these are real economic impacts on people. Mm-hmm. So DC uh, in all of their brilliance, and I have no respect for the DC mayor or the DC council. I think at one point, all 14 members were under some kind of investigation that I, I'm not shitting. You. Yeah. Um, so their brilliant plan was they, you know, cause they've taken money away from policing. So they spent money on, I think it was 2000 Apple, uh, AirPod, uh, the tracking Apple device. And they handed them out for free. If you showed up with a DC license, you could get, one AirPod, iPod, whatever the fuck it is, AirTag. <laughs> and I sent this link out to a, a group chat of some friends, some of them still in DC, some of them in, have also left DC. And unironically, my friend was like, that is brilliant. Like, that's not a solution. <laughs> to the homeless problem, I'm looking around last summer, and they, the, the city is like, we're going to do something. And you turn around the next day and they put out porta potties. Like these are not solutions. <laughs> this isn't how you fix the problem. I didn't do so, fucking shit. Yeah, exactly. And so you, okay, great. You can put your air tag on your vehicle, go to sleep at night. What the fuck does that do for you? Your car is still going to be, you know, somewhere in Southeast stripped of everything by morning. What? And, and these have real economic impacts on people. And uh, it's not, I just don't understand the mentality. Uh, so at its fundamental core, policing is loss prevention, right? That's all it is. You're not gaining anything for your city, but you have to divert resources to prevent loss. You know, if we life. lived in 15-minute green cities and didn't drive cars, then people's cars wouldn't get stolen. You ever think about that? See, now you're talking solutions. <laughs> now we have something. There you go. Nobody can steal if there's nothing to steal. Yeah. Isn't that the essential, <laughs> the, the essential like mythos of, of communism? We all are equal equally poor. Yep. We're all equally poor. You know, Stalin always lived in a palace. There's no, there's no fucking truth to any of that. A society will always arrange itself in a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. We, we're nature is hierarchical. Human beings are a part of nature. Something's always going to fill that vacuum. There, there's just no way around it. it. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no way around it. That's so. why anarchy equally doesn't work. Communism doesn't work. Anarchy doesn't work uh, because somebody's always going to take over. So you have to have uh, some kind of uh, institution or structure in place to keep uh, somebody from taking over that power vacuum in a you know utop- utopian anarchic society. Somebody's always going well, to try to, it's just human nature. Exactly. It's human nature. And that's the, that's the fatal flaw in, in communism or anarchy is, is the idea of the perfectible man. There, there is just no, it, he's never existed and he never will exist. So the pursuit of utopia has led to more bloodshed, to more misery and to more suffering than any other pursuit. Including colonialism, including empire building, 
all of it. This mm-hmm. idea that we can create heaven on earth. I mean, that's, it's, it's really a pursuit only a devil could pursue. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the capital. I don't think we even have to talk about San Francisco. I mean, what a joke. And <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, uh, the, I'm surprised JCD and lavish and those guys are still out, out in San Fran. So I did some internet sleuthing and I'm not here to dox anyone, but I did some internet sleuthing and, uh, I think I have a general idea of where he lives. He's not anywhere bad. Oh, Dvorak. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, if he was somewhere real bad, he'd be, uh, he wouldn't be there anymore. So, yeah. So do you, does he like not live with his wife? Doesn't she live like in Oregon? Like, what is that? I've never I, understood that. I don't know. Me, I mean, Mimi, him and Mimi have a good relationship. It seems like, and part of that is probably because they don't see each other that often. I don't know if <laughs> you have any experience with women, but living under the same roof as one for a long period of time is not easy. <laughs> it has its challenges. Yeah. It certainly does. So, uh, I mean, I, th- I think the fact that they probably only see each other a couple times a month, that's probably why they've maintained such a healthy relationship. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm just playing armchair thankful. psychologist here because I really have no idea. Right now. No, I, uh, I took a long time, but I found a good one. Um, and, uh, I, you know, any advice I could ever give to any, well, my number one piece of advice was never never take my advice, but the other piece of advice would be the most important decision that any man will make in his life is, is who he marries. Mm-hmm. So do not take it lightly. Do not rush into it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got a good one. I, I'm pretty happy. She, she does uh, very little uh, headache induction. Well, that's good. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you, by the way, if she's standing over your shoulder, just blink twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you hear the tapping? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she's, she's good. She's, uh, I'm in my, uh, my home office at the moment. So yeah. So cities, I mean, agenda 2030 project for a new American century. It's all tied in, you know, business development zones or economic development zones. Um, which is something you can go on, on, I think, housing and urban development. If you Google that, you can go to the government's website and you can find these zones and you can apply to invest in them and you can get ridiculous deals. So where is it all heading? I, that's, I mean, and it's, you know, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the end of it. I think there's a lot more pain to come. Do you do any, uh, any kind of casual or otherwise any prepping? Uh, just, a little bit of storable food, guns and ammo. I need to yeah. start. I need to start um, stocking up on gold and especially, uh, actually, just liquor. I think if you have enough liquor, you'll be. It's worth its weight in gold in the apocalypse. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't even have that on my list. That's probably a good idea. That's something. Yeah. Liquor, liquor, and uh, and tobacco and alcohol, especially liquor, because it really doesn't ever go bad. And like it's better with time. That's something that you will be able to barter for. Like, if you have if you have liquor, that's going to be worth more than food that you can barter with. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have this image of like you take the wife down as the apocalypse is happening. All right, honey, I'm ready to see what you've got for us. You open the door, no food whatsoever. It's just cigs and liquor. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> that's that's what I'll. That's what I got. 
I think I have maybe <laughs> two weeks worth of food and uh five years of alcohol. <laughs> I have I have I have probably six months worth of uh tobacco. I have I need to I don't I the thing is I have to have store somewhere because I I go out of my way to not keep liquor in the house because I just if it's around, I'll drink it. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really drink liquor anymore for that reason. Mm. Uh, but if I just stuck it, if, you know, if I, if I just, uh, had like a bunker, I could put a bunch of liquor and that's a good thing to do. Cause that's going to be, people are going to be, uh, wanting liquor, food and ammo, I think are like the three main food groups you're going to want in the apocalypse. Gold really, cause you can't really do much with gold. I mean, it'll be, it'll be definitely be more useful than cash or Bitcoin, <laughs> When the EMP hits, but, but uh, gold, I just don't see as I'm sure you can still barter with gold, but it's not as practical. If if it's the legit apocalypse, people are going to want things they can actually use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've always wondered, like, how do you value things with just gold? Like, you, you know, in John Wick, right? He's, he's got these coins that are like highly, highly prized. But you can drop a coin for a gun. You can drop a coin for a cocktail. Like, I don't understand the ratio. A coin or two for a night at the hotel. I, I really, how do you value just, you know, just like, toss nuggets of gold at people for, you know? Yeah. You'd have to have, you'd have to do it by weight and have uh, precise scales, I guess. Ah, yes. So scales. While everyone has the gold, I have the scales, which I sell <laughs> for gold. <laughs> they call me the dragon because I have so many scales. Uh, okay, you want to talk? I got a Young Turks clip. We kind of already have gone way past this, but I have a Young Turks clip where Jinx complaining about this guy on CNN uh, reciting crime stati statistics. Or oh, yeah, chunky yogurt. Let's do it. Okay, yeah, was, and I'll, we'll come back to this because uh, yeah, we'll come back to the fifteen minute cities. Recently, I a on CNN that. Um, appearance got a little heated uh, for understandable reasons. This is going to be between Harry Hook and Mark Lamont Hill. Um, Hook is going to say some outrageous things. Uh, Mark Lamont Hill is going to call him out on it. It's going to get a little loud. And afterwards, I am going to give you the actual facts and figures to show you who's right and who's wrong. Let's watch. And this thing about the, the disparity of blacks and whites in jails, that's got to stop because I got statistics right here which will prove me right. In New York City alone, okay, blacks are 23%. They make up of the 75, right, the population. 75% of all shootings, 70% of all robberies, and 60% of all violent crimes. All right? The whites, only 3%. Now, that is why there were more blacks in jail than there are whites. But that's, okay. okay? And now, now, let me just finish here and then, and then you go, all right? So we look at that statistic. All right? They turn it around. You know, the racial demagogues out there turn it around that the blacks are being picked on. Guys, how do you still on national TV and just say that black people are prone to criminality? I want to be able to respond to that, okay? Well, they are. But you think black people are prone to criminality? You don't mean to say that. I'm going to give you a chance to correct me. You don't mean that black people are prone to criminality. What does this say? I know. I don't know what that says, but I know. The chief can back me up because he's coming out of He's not going to stay on national TV and say black people are prone to criminality. I am telling you, 75% I'm hoping you just don't know. 75% of shooters. What you do is you're interpreting something else I'm saying. Your narrative. That's what you do. I'm just trying to talk. Mark, hold on one second. Hold I on. think you just Chief, don't know prone to criminality. Like first of Chief, all, I'm not going to say it's prone to blacks, uh, prone to crime because I don't believe it, and it's not true. That's the of first. It's not true. It's racist. The second thing, I have a slight difference. It is not racist. Just say that black people are prone to criminality. That's not what I said. 
No, that is what you said. You- <laughs> that is what you said. It, uh, so Chunk, I'll, I can just give you a, a spoiler here. He spends the next seven minutes uh, dancing around this subject without refuting it. By He basically builds a straw man and doesn't refute any of the statistics laid out there. Um, now, that police chief that was sitting next, uh, between Chris Cuomo and this, the, the black guy on CNN, he could have been a lot more graceful laying that out there. Because um, he did come off as a little bit racist. I'm not going to lie. When he, yeah. when he said, he's like, so you're saying black, he's like, so you're saying black people are prone to criminality? He's like, well, they are. It's like, well, and a lot of that is circumstantial um, because it's, uh, it's kind of like uh, our homeless people are prone to drug addiction. Well, if they weren't homeless, they wouldn't, there would be a lot less, uh, a lot less of them would probably be severe, uh, have severe drug dependencies. And that one I think is reversed. I think that one's reversed. You think that the drug dependency causes the home- homelessness? Yeah. And in some cases yeah. it does. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. also if you're already homeless, it's like, what do you got to lose? Might as well try heroin. You know, <laughs> you know, nobody, no, I've never encountered uh, a person of any ethnic group who has any problem with stereotypes uh, in their favor, right? Stereotype by definition is not negative. Stereotypes can be positive. Um, you know, the shysty Jew, nobody likes that, but man, Jews, weird. Jew, 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 Jew. <laughs> but Jews are really smart. You know, no, there's no pearl clutching. Like, <gasps> How dare you? You know, like they are demonstrably. If I went up to you and I said, man, Asians and, uh, and subcontinent Indians are just kicking our kids asses in school. I mean, that's, it's verifiable. Like everybody knows it. Um, so, so that's the first observation. The second observation is, well, Mark Lamont Hill doesn't respond to the data. He Mm -hmm. gets hysterical and he throws back, um, an accusation. Well, well, how can you be this? How can you say this? Are you racist? You know, that's, it's a, a rhetorical tactic. It doesn't actually further any kind of a discussion. And then the guy, you know, as you said, was not graceful and it all went a bit off the rails, but made for good television though. Makes for excellent television. So <laughs> what do you, but what do you do? We want, we say we want to be a fact driven society. People like, like chunky yogurt would absolutely say facts, you know, it's all about the facts. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, here are facts. What do we do about it? We have, there is a problem. We want to solve it. Black people want to solve it. White people want to solve it. Everyone wants to solve it. Okay. To first, to, to solve a problem, you must first name and address the problem. So what is the problem? Crime. Okay. Well, who's I thought you were going to say crime? black people. <laughs> no, oh, no, God. <laughs> No, but who's committing the crime? Uh, people, uh, people in the big cities, people, and I think that's like, and just to, just to interject my own point here, the, I think that it has less. It's not a. It's it's less to do with any kind of race issue and more to do with 
you have a bunch of people crowded on top of each other that don't have much of their own space. Like if you, if you put, I hate, I hate talking about this race stuff, but I'm uh, might as well get trudged through it here. I'm not going to dance around it. If you put the same black people uh, in uh, rural areas with their own, you know, uh, like the stuff we have out here in East Tennessee, the people that got like a couple acres to themselves, just living in double wide trailer where you can just shoot guns all you want uh, just way out where there's no cell service. There would be a lot less crime and a lot less robberies with from coming from those same people. I would assume it's, it's a situational and spatial and poverty. And there's a bunch of things that factor in uh, also upbringing and, and uh, societal stuff, you know, that was a sloppy um, way of explaining that, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it would be dishonest of me to say that there's not a lot to that. Sure. Um, but let me, let me respond with a, uh, with, let me respond with a fact. Non-white hockey players make up 3% of the NHL, but 100% of on the ice NHL murders. <laughs> are there, are there on the ice NHL murders? Yeah, a few days ago, sliced his neck open. On per- intentionally, he intentionally kicked him. Okay, so wow. if he gets a good lawyer, he can get it bumped down to you know manslaughter. Damn, I didn't know about any of this. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> maybe that was a long-winded wow. attempt at highbrow comedy, but yeah, it's it's not a racial problem per se. But the problem lies currently, as we speak, in a certain demographic. And if we're not going to be honest about that, we can't get to the root problem. I, I mean, how, how can you? Okay, so let's, let's move to safer territory. The cities are crumbling. People I know would say, I'm making that up. That's not happening. That's not true. You know, you're just being a right winger. Okay. But I think it's fairly demonstrable and you're not going to improve the situation if you can't at least admit it. So the friend I referenced earlier, who's actually aware and now angry and upset and disappointed in his, his politicians admits that, well, okay, but are you going to vote differently? Are you going to, and not that I'm like, Oh, vote it changes everything. But are you recognizing that the way you've done things got you here or are you just going to continue to do those things? And to his credit, he realizes that, but he's also admitting that, you know, of our age cohort, the majority of people will stick to their ideals and continue to vote the exact same policies. So if you can't name a problem, how do you solve it? Uh, if you can't speak honestly, I should say, if you can't be just honest and, and two adults can, two adults can have a conversation. I guarantee you, I could sit down with someone like Thomas Sewell and have a conversation about possible causes of the problem and solutions to the problem. But Mark Lamont Hill, who you just played in that clip is not an adult. So you can't sit down and have a conversation with him because right. out will come the hysteria. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way you could uh, calmly and friend- have a friendly, rational conversation with, with him about this topic without him freaking out about it. Uh, 
But a lot of people uh, in his demographic, you could have this conversation with, and they would probably agree with you. (laughs) It's so funny because when you look at like the rap in like the early nineties, it was always like, man, the police don't even come to our neighborhoods. You know, we get no police protection. The police don't give a shit about murders in the hood. They don't give a shit about robberies. We just got to figure it out for ourselves. And that's why we have gangs and violence, because we just out here trying to protect our own. So it's not enough policing in the 90s. Then it's too much policing in the 2020s or 10s, whatever decade we're in. So it's you see, it's it's strange. It's like, how does anybody win? How do we move forward? Well, I, as somebody that really doesn't like police myself, uh, I get it. <laughs> uh, most of the cops, I've, there are there are some cool cops I've interacted with, and I've been friendly and uh, over long term periods with a couple of cops. But most of the cops I've interacted with are fucking assholes, dude. So that there is a big cop problem. That it's the dudes with little dicks that. Or, or like that just want to they want to have control and they want to be able to boss people around. There's a whole bunch of people that got that were bullies in high school and middle school that just became cops because they like bullying people and yelling at people and telling people what to do. And there's a yeah. huge demographic of that. And you know what? That's why we don't just need 15 minute cities. We need RoboCop. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That robotic police Fellow officer. executives. And he needs to be empowered to be the judge, jury, and executioner on the spot. Yes. The enforcement droid, Series 209, is a self-sufficient law enforcement robot. 209 is currently programmed for urban pacification, but that is only the beginning. After a successful tour of duty in old Detroit, we can expect 209 to become the (laughs) hot Detroit product for the next decade. That's where we need him. Dr. McNamara. We'll need an arrest subject. Mr. Kenny. Yes, sir. Would you come up and give us a hand, please? Yes, sir. Mr. Kenny is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kenny, use your gun in a threatening manner. <laughs> Point it at Ed 209. Yes, sir. Put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation You now have five seconds to comply. Dude got shredded like a cabbage, like a julienne salad. Yeah, no, the the RoboCop thing is pro. It it's gonna happen, right? The DARPA dogs and the RoboCops. It's it's gonna happen maybe within our lifetimes. I would say it's gonna get worse before it gets better. And what does that mean for humanity? What does that mean for us? Policed by uh, robots, uh, guided through life by algorithms, we are, we are the AI. We're just wetware. The AI, we don't have to build it. We are it. We just became it. We're just, you know, the NPC uh, meme, the people who are just going through life, guided by, you know, base instincts, uh, the algorithm, 
and uh, they'll be policed by robots. Those are the people who will willingly live in the pods, eat the bugs, own nothing, and they will be happy. Well, let's, and, and it's not just the 15 minute cities, it's the smart cities, which were a thing before the 15 minute city became a meme. Do you remember that when there was all this talk about smart cities? I used to work in an industry uh, that was at the forefront, let me put it this way, of, of the smart. Well, I, I worked in, in, a, in a company that was laying, rolling out smart grid technology. And looking back, I, I was always a bit of the black sheep at the company. And I, I didn't, you know, I was always bringing up, I'm, I'm prone to pessimism anyway. But yeah, that was, I think, a first step. And people were saying, you know, you put these smart meters on your homes, it's going to give you, you know, they're going to have uh, data on you. And it, it sounded laughable at the time. But now, it's absolutely that was a phase, you know, in the early phase. Yeah, smart city, smart grid. 15-minute city, monitored all the time. I sent this video just as kind of a sample size of you know some of the people I know. And a surprising amount of the people I texted this video to said they thought it was a good idea. Just how smart is your city? Chances are it's getting smarter by the year. Many governments around the globe are racing to infuse technology into just about every aspect of its city's operations. And I mean every part including public transportation, IT connectivity, water and power supply, sanitation and solid waste management, efficient urban mobility, e-governance, and citizen participation. And it does this using every buzzword imaginable, from big data to the Internet of Things. So how does a smart city work? Let's look at three examples. Here in Singapore, the city-state might be the gold standard of the most extensive effort to collect data on daily living. The government is now deploying systems that can tell when people are smoking in prohibited zones or littering from high-rise housing. Singapore launched... Fucking smoking and littering are two of the coolest things you can do. <laughs> if, there's a li- if there's like a, a list of cool things like where it's like, oh, that you see somebody doing something and you're like, oh, that guy must be pretty cool. Smoking and littering are two of the top five, ten things you can be doing. I mean, what are some other things? Looking cool while smoking... Uh, I mean, Bruce Willis built his career on that. Exactly. Uh, what are some What are some other cool things? Um, I'm assuming anything we could think of that would be a cool thing to do. It's the smart city is going to crack down on people doing that. Pissing in a mailbox. <laughs> Public urination. A perfect example. <laughs> the fence will be electrified, and yeah. you will feel that. The government is now deploying systems that can tell when people are smoking in prohibited zones or littering from high-rise housing. Singapore launched its own Smart Nation program in 2014 and will add more cameras like these so the government can effectively monitor crowd density, cleanliness of public spaces, and even the exact movement of every locally registered vehicle. Much of the data it's... The exact movement of every local locally registered vehicle. This is terrible, but CNBC well, that- is play is like presenting this as isn't this awesome? The exact movement every moment of the day of every locally registered vehicle. So I'm a big believer that the electric vehicle and the monitoring thereof and the communication between all the vehicles is probably the main driver of why 5G is being pushed so hard. Um, yeah. Because my phone now, I couldn't avoid it, is on the 5G, and it fucking sucks. 
So it's not for the service. Yeah. It's not for cell phone service. It's fast, it's but these- it constantly goes out is my experience with the 5G phone. Like it's I fast. I dropped more calls now than I ever yep. did before. Yep. Yeah. And people you showed this to thought this was good. Well, not a lot of them. I sent it to maybe 10 people and I'd say two of the 10 were like that. They thought like, oh yeah, I'd, that'd be nice. But they're the same people that are afraid of, are afraid of climate change and shit that I know, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the people so that love the nanny Americans. state. Yeah. <laughs> people that love the nanny state. Everybody's got a couple of them in their life. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, this is, I, maybe this is a sidebar, but I, I fucking hate this. Well, actually, you know, that we have to like run everything by data, 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 data. We're fucking human beings. We're not nodes in some kind of, uh, of system. That's not all we're meant to be. That's not all that we exist for. And this, this deification of the data driven society, I, I fucking, it infuriates me to no end. Yeah. Does that, are you, you know what I mean by that? Yeah, no, it's the, it, I, I completely agree. And it's that, the, not, the data stream that Alex Jones song I was playing right before the show. Yeah. That's not what we're, we're meant to exist. If, if that, if we're, because then it's like I said, we become the AI. Well, what, who serves who, you know, if we need the government to have these systems to nudge us in our behavior, to monitor us in every action of every minute of the day, who serves whom? I mean, we live, we know we have a government that essentially hates the citizens. We have an economic citizen, uh, system that doesn't serve us. We have a geopolitical global system that is threatening our, our extinction or the annihilation of millions or billions of us. So what are we, who's serving who? Well, uh, I came on I this podcast because I, I, I thought you had the answers. <laughs> I was going to just play the jingle. <laughs> I love Jews. <laughs> Excellent. Every locally registered vehicle. Much of the data it's collecting will be fed into an online platform called Virtual Singapore that gives the government access to how the city is functioning in real time. It could help the. Oh shit! Well, I fucked that up. Sorry. Just how smart is your <laughs> city? <go> back. <laughs> React to an explosion in a shopping. Mall. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Here we go. Online platform called Virtual (laughs) Singapore that gives the government access to how the city is functioning in real time. It could help the government predict how crowds might react to an explosion in a shopping mall. Why? Why Why do they need to know that? Why is that the first thing? The first example? (laughs) I because are they going to blow up? They're going to blow up a shopping mall. I thought that was so strange that that was the first thing that. Yeah, it's not like traffic patterns at rush hour. No, it's fucking explosion, explosion in a shopping mall. I just, I just thought that was so bizarre. Real time. It could help the government predict how crowds might react to an explosion in a shopping mall <laughs> or how infectious disease might spread. 
oh, over yeah. in Dubai, more than 50 smart services from 22 government entities have been rolled out as part of the government's Smart Dubai initiative. Using the government-provided app Dubai Now, Fucking you can do star things like music pay a speeding ticket, which likely <laughs> captured you on a public camera and then emailed you the ticket directly. You can also use the same app to pay your electric bill, call a taxi, track a package you sent to your friend, find the nearest ATM, renew your vehicle registration, track the visa status of a relative, and report a violation to the Dubai police. Oh, now, so you can use it to narc on your fellow citizens, too. Oh, that's that's another thing, you know, from the Soviet Union. Yep. Absolutely. Kids will turn on their parents. Cats will turn on dogs. Husbands against wives. Wives against husbands. It, again, to who? To what end? Who is serving whom? That it's it and the the infographic they have on here is, is it's insidious. It's every single everything from sanitation to sewage to the DMV. Everything is integrated. All these parts, and there's another video if I have time that, that kind of goes into this deeper. But all these things that are isolated <clears throat> things like taxi services and uh, your refrigerator, your grocery uh, store. All of the and things we can that, have an explosion in any one of them. Yeah. Well, and all of these things are now integrated so that there's no separation. So if you if you're late on your power bill, then uh, maybe you can't buy groceries either. You see what I'm saying? Oh, hundred percent. Your car will get shut off, even if you're even allowed to have a car. It's everything is integrated, so you have no privacy, and uh, yeah, it's just it's terrifying. <laughs> Head over to Barcelona. Which, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, which probably, you know, I suspect is more of the the impetus behind the push for, uh, you know, newer vehicles, because it's not because the old ones pollute, it's because the old ones aren't trackable. And they can't shut them off remotely. Even uh, uh, Mike Baker, the CIA, supposed former CIA guy, which is definitely still CIA, but even he, when he goes on Joe Rogan, he's said a couple times, he has a, a it, it, where his go bag and all this stuff is, his, his car his he has all his cars are made before well, i can't remember the year he said but it's stuff that it's can sh- can run where they can't shut it down or track it so 1992 toyotas or so yeah anything i think anything made after the mid 2000s is uh every mexican in southern california will be able to drive their car right <laughs> yeah <laughs> where one research firm estimates the city will save billions of dollars a year in energy costs just by installing smart systems like these. Number one, smart streetlights. Public lighting that adapts and dims when there's no activity but brightens up when sensors detect motion. The second- Oh, oh, can you, can you stop? Have you seen these new purple streetlights anywhere? Mm, no, I don't think so, no. So I was driving- Somewhere along the 95, where the hell was I? It wasn't too long ago. I had seen them on Twitter and people complaining about them. And then I saw them in real life and they put out this purple, you know, that purple blue, like, I mean, they're, they're LED. I think they're LED. They gotta be LED. Um, Purplish blue hued light. And you drive on it; just it's so unnatural. I don't even like the really bright white, or not bright, but the really cool white 
uh, streetlights. I, I don't like them. I, I, you know, I like the old uh, yellow nostalgia. But anyway, yeah, these new streetlights. Sorry, they're just horrible. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen them, but I'll keep an eye out. I know the. I'll tell you what. I have seen those five um, G towers popping up more and more. Really. I'm assuming they're 5G because they're way lower to the ground than the old cell towers. They're around billboards a lot in the city. Streetlights are mysteriously turning purple. Here's why. Scientific American. Oh, Sorry. what do they got? Um, Scientific um, American has some good articles. They have that one about mind control by cell phone. Yeah, American cities and towns started switching their streetlights from sodium to LED which changed the color of many nighttime roads to bright white. But lately, an odd new nocturnal color has been spotted across the nation. Uh, get to the fucking... Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll find... Instead of driving in circles looking for a spot to park, drivers can get real-time information on an app which locates free parking spots. Sensors on the street curb use lighting and metal detectors to know if a parking spot or loading area is occupied. And finally, garbage sensors, which are actually compact drop-off containers which have a vacuum network through pipes which sucks up trash below ground. The automated waste collection not only lowers noise pollution from garbage trucks, but also lowers costs and keeps bad odor away. Juniper Research estimates that by 2021, cities will save nearly $19 billion by making their cities smart. But of course, to save money, sometimes you have to spend it first. The global smart city market is estimated to attract $15 billion by 2021, and that's just for software. So now companies from Microsoft to Cisco are aiming for a piece of it. In Singapore, Upton Saidi, CNBC. Yeah. So Bill Gates, once again. Who the fuck put him in charge? Thank God for the internet. Wait, no, fuck, yeah, the, internet. fuck the internet. <laughs> I don't know. I like uh, <clears throat> Bill Gates. Did you know Bill Gates invented the internet, actually? No, no, you're thinking of uh, Al Gore. Well, hang on. Those, those. I love working with cities and municipalities. They Okay, this is, okay, that last one was CSNBC. This is Qualcomm, uh, the YouTube channel, and this is a smart city explained in 101 seconds. I love working with cities and municipalities. They want to really understand how can technology and intelligent connectivity help them solve real world problems, like not having enough water, pollution, transportation, traffic, the ability to communicate and manage their overall network. And it all starts with just really understanding kind of the art of the possible, just changing the way that they think about their own departments. You're no longer the lighting department. You're the connectivity department because that light pole needs to do more than just light. What if it had a small cell on it? Solve density issues for a new up and coming area in a city. So now all of a sudden the lighting department's working with the transportation department. The concept of being able to combine a lot of those different franchises into a single unit is really is something... If I was to design a city, it would be intelligent enough to basically interact with its citizens and the government at the same time. Oh, so to me, okay. an intelligent or smart city isn't so much about the type of technology or the type of connectivity that's being used, but it is about. So it's that's that's it right there. Uh, somebody it's somebody that's actually working on smart cities and promoting them. It's basically the city is 
yeah, it's making things more convenient for the people. But the main th- reason it's really there is to report everything the citizens are doing at all times to the government and be fully integrated into the government. You will be one with the Borg. Yeah. Uh, I'm still looking for... I'm sure I'll find it here soon. I'm, I'm looking for... Uh, the one that talks about Bill Gates. What's the worst thing about living in a city? I wish I could afford the rent. There is a big problem with our pollution. La ciudad está creciendo sin ningún tipo de orden y sin ningún tipo de planeación. Half the world's population live in them, and by the end of the century, it will be more like 90%. Over the last sort of 20 years, we've been talking about urbanization is the way forward, but we've seen during COVID people's dynamics and priorities are really changing so this is a real moment in time where we have to rethink and almost get behind a new vision of the city so yeah the covid was that was bbc it's not the one i'm looking for but covid really was the trial balloon for the great reset which is a myth but they talk (laughs) about it (laughs) well and it's it seems it just it seems like the the push for the vaccine was was a complete side issue the more and more i look at it like i said it seems like it, there's it's more and and they all these pushes for climate lockdowns and 15 minute cities and smart cities they bring it up in the first couple seconds of their pitches on the bbc and and all the stuff where it's like well covid's actually presented an opportunity or covid's made us realize the lockdowns have made us you know i'm saying it's when they, they've captured enough this is george oh sorry They've captured enough of the people that they, nothing has to be hidden anymore because they've captured them. To, and, and now the people, they will be begging for it by the time this comes, this gets rolled out. Mm-hmm. And I think some places have already rolled it out, especially in Canada. And I mean, we're talking and, Mark of the Beast type shit. Yep. Big time. This is George Orwell on steroids. It's a dystopian hell. First came the lizard rulers. Then 5G shredded our DNA. Now conspiracy theorists are homing in on town planning. You in your area will only be allowed within that 15-minute zone that you've been allocated. going to be a stipulation in this policy that says, look, we will never have barricades here. Uh, no, we didn't consider that. This is real. The target of this newfound fury, the 15-minute city. The 15-minute city is actually about getting people to, um, or enabling basically, uh, walking and active travel to shops, schools, uh, and basically places where they want to go. What started as a way to make life more manageable and sustainable has been recast as a cynical ploy by climate-obsessed autocracies bent on control. You will have to apply to leave your 15-minute district. How much easier would it be for them to literally lock us down? COVID has crystallized a lot of concerns. Think back to COVID, think back to COVID, think back to COVID. Around how uh, governments can and can't control things like people's movements. Conspiracy theories really offer a nice way for people to make sense of stuff that is stressing them out, basically. A lot of the angst is centred in Oxford in the UK, which is trialling divvying up the city into six areas and forcing residents to drive on a ring road to access each one. Okay, so, so nobody's making you do anything, but there's a bunch of conspiracy theories, and then their first sentence they say is, forcing residents. That's <laughs> not yeah. saying giving it, residents the option, forcing residents. To access each one. It's crazy. Split. <laughs> uh, sorry, do you have a thought? Yeah. <sighs> 
uh, the, the algo hasn't given me my thought yet. <laughs> I'm still. Um, was that that um, was that first woman talking? Was that the uh, that right wing uh, English woman, Katie Hopkins? I think it was. Yeah, but they're of course making her look crazy. Person. Yeah. The 15-minute city, 20-minute city, the walkable city, many different names to refer to a growing trend in urban areas centered around the need for proximity, community, and good quality of life. In walkable cities, one can go from work to the gym to the bar to the shop in less than, you guessed it, 15 minutes, using a combination of public transportation and walking. 16 cities in the world have committed to implement this idea, and I'm currently in one of them, Paris. The mayor, Anne Hidalgo, has invested in making the city more bike-friendly, Parking spots are progressively turned into green areas, playgrounds, neighborhood meetups points, or bike parking spots. This project is part of a more general movement, seeking not only to imagine, but also to create the city of the future. But it isn't new. In the 1920s, American urban planner Clarence Perry also introduced the idea of the livable neighborhood unit, before the mass influx of private cars and city zoning arrived later in the 20th century. Copenhagen pedestrianized its main shopping street in 1962, before other densely built European cities used it as an inspiration to build their own downtown areas. Then we have new urbanism and urban design movement promoting walkable cities that swept across the US in the 1980s. All these movements have one thing in common. They seek to reduce the use of cars. Today's discussion... Yeah, because if you don't have a... <laughs> if you don't have a car, you can't really get away from the authorities that quickly. Are you gonna you bike, can't do it. You, you're going to bike away from the fucking cops... <laughs> you can't go anywhere. You can't. I mean, how? I mean, maybe this is one of those things where, like, the American mind cannot comprehend life without a car. But I lived three years without a car um, during part of the time I was in DC. I just didn't need one for a long stretch, and uh, you know, it was great. I, I will be objectively truthful. It was great to be walkable to everything I needed, but I was also in my mid twenties. And I had one goal on my mind every weekend, or well, two goals: one, hang out with the buddies, and the other one, you know, Russian pussy. There you go. Just you know, lay pipe. So. For that kind of person, for that kind of man, which I was, and most young men go through. Yeah, it's great. Okay, sure. You know, I had uh, I lived in a great city at the time. I had a, a, a good job and I had a good friend network and, and I could go out and lay pipe. Great. <laughs> but that's not what they're going for. And that, how does that work for raising a family? I mean, and, and <laughs> it's just, we're returning to these automatons and I hate it. And I don't know how people don't see it. Maybe I'm the crazy one. I always got to check myself. I mean, am I the crazy one? Am I seeing things that aren't there? No, uh, I mean, I, maybe, I mean they're admitting to it. It seems that, you keep pointing it, it out. Yeah, it seems like they're. Uh, I, I don't think we've really done much speculation here at all tonight. It's it's that crazy. Have you ever heard of the term moral parallax? Um, I refresh my memory. So moral parallax is defined basically by the example. That thing is not happening, and it's good that it is. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah. So you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. You're making that up. 
but you know, it's also good that that thing's happening. It's, it's like the, the, they would, they'll never uh, do the vaccine passports. They'd never try that. And they would never force anybody to get the shot, which was what I heard from people, family members and stuff in early 2020. And then once it started happening, they were like, well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there's and, a and lot they don't of skip a beat. They mm-hmm. don't skip a beat transitioning from the first to the second. Yeah. Or like, they're not going to, prosecute trump and you know they're not going to arrest the president and then when it happens well that's good they are and they should and that's good yeah it's the same thing yeah and it's it's like the whole thing we talked about like in the soviet union now it's like turning you know child against parent you know husband and wife parent, you know it's so george orwell i've been toying with this idea for a while george orwell was absolutely right about big brother but he was wrong in that it was going to be so top down from the, the big brother is us. We're, we're fucking doing it to ourselves. Yeah. We are doing it to ourselves. And I like, why do we put up with it? Why are the same people putting up with this? The people in charge have shown themselves to be absolutely, utterly incompetent. I mean, the president routinely shits his pants. The vice president is a whore with two brain cells. (laughs) <laughs> the people in charge don't have a grasp on things. They don't understand what's going on. The Most of the State Department is run by probably they're not incompetent people, but just evil people. So we we are we have become the our own big brother and the people in charge can just sit back and, and get rich. You know, Nancy Pelosi, she's a greatest stock trader ever lived. She's a, hey, she's a good, beautiful woman. When she was young, she wasn't too bad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that picture of her in JFK. Uh, I was like, <laughs> she's got those knockers. Yeah. Wow. The, 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 the. Okay, I got. Uh, let's see. I think this might be the one I'm looking for. I've. Uh, one more on smart cities. When you think of Bill Gates, you probably think of Microsoft. Would it surprise you to find out that he's also known around the world as Farmer Bill? He's earned this nickname due to the fact that he now owns more farmland than anyone else in America. It's estimated that Gates owns at least 242,000 acres of farmland, the equivalent of one-third of the land in the entire state of Rhode Island. About 10% of those land holdings were acquired in 2017 and have been set aside for a 25,000-acre smart city in the middle of the Arizona desert. Welcome to Belmont, Arizona. Future home to Bill Gates' smart city. In today's video, we'll take a look at what Bill Gates' plans are for this city, how much it will cost, and what he's done so far to make this dream a reality. In early November 2017, Gates threw around the idea in a debate about the need to invest in smart cities. The billionaire philanthropist then made headlines when a group heads by Gates Investment Group, Cascade Investments, LLC, purchased thousands of acres of land in the desert near Phoenix, Arizona for $80 million. Now, this is the other thing uh, that makes me suspicious about where they're building all these smart cities. They're building them in the desert. So, first of all, if you want to escape, you're pretty much screwed because you won't have a car and you're going to be on foot Capricorn one style in the desert with hundreds of miles of desert on every side of you. So, you're kind of screwed there. But also, it's if you're really about sustainability, it seems like you're picking the most inefficient places to pipe in water. 
it's going to cost so much electricity or, or so, yeah, it's going to be not very carbon neutral to have to pump in water from thousands of miles away to get to your desert smart city. That is so interesting that you point that out. Uh, Solzhenitsyn wrote in the Gulag Archipelago, uh, they, the, the Soviets would say, uh, we really don't need too many prison walls because you have nowhere to go. Like the, yeah. the, 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 the Siberian wind, like you will die. Yeah. Like escaping like, from a base in Antarctica, basically up there. Yeah, exactly. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, where do you go if you don't have a vehicle and you're on foot in the middle of fucking Arizona, where there's no natural fresh water from potentially tens and tens of miles in any direction, probably hundreds of miles in some areas. You're you're trapped. You're in a prison that doesn't need walls, but you're a prisoner. It's just easier to just put up with the whatever slavery you're having to deal with and this smarter decision once you're once you're and that you, far yeah. in without Bill Gates, yeah. you would have. OK, so this this was the one that I was kind of referencing before I finally found without, without Bill Gates, we wouldn't have without Bill Gates, you would have no Internet. And now he wants <laughs> to follow it's like that's how you that's how the video starts. This is from <laughs> the uh, 15 million subscriber YouTube, the richest. Which and now 15 million people think that that's that's history now. That's just what happened. Yeah. Okay, so the richest is uh the richest is the channel to learn unbelievable but amazing facts about the most interesting people on earth. Uh and that's the YouTube channel and yeah, so we'll just I Without I just Gates, thought that was just a fascinating way to start a video like that. It's like uh, uh thank God for the internet. Thank God for the internet. Fuck the internet. I like Afro Man's take on it better. Fuck the internet. Without Bill Fuck Gates, you. you would have no internet. And now he wants to follow up redesigning the world as we know it once again by building a true city of the future. His current net worth that hits about eh, 103.7 billion should be a pretty good start to get it going. And so let's have a look at what this city will be like. What is the fantasy city that Bill Gates dreams about? <laughs> well, it's a city deep in Arizona that will use technology to optimize every single aspect of life. While this would primarily make the lives of its citizens much easier by providing a seamless network that controls electrical grids, transportation, social services, and other services, it also has a broader pitch, though, to be honest, a city that does not require you to stand in line at the DMV is a pretty freaking good start. Anyway, oh my god, I hate this. <laughs> that that sounds awful. Have you heard of the the line? Yeah, the line. By, by the way, in, in yeah, Saudi a city Arabia. that doesn't allow you, doesn't allow you or doesn't force you to stand in line at a DMV because the whole city is basically one DMV. I'm assuming you're living in a this, constant 24 hour DMV is what I'm imagining. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's a dystopian, absolutely dystopian future. Uh, there's that city they're trying to do because you said deserts, and it got me thinking about the line in uh, Saudi Arabia. No, are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. It's uh, basically a linear city that Prince uh, whatever Abdullah whatever Muhammad is building out there. It's, um, it's going to be, it's going to stretch for miles from the ocean, just out into the desert. 
in one straight line. The walls are going to be mirrored on the outside to keep it cooler inside. And it's, uh, it's going to be basically this linear city. Everything at any point in the city, everything you'll need will only be about a 10 or 15 minute walk. This, the mental image I'm getting is, uh, like the, the rings on that in Halo, the video game, those, yeah. <laughs> the Halo rings, or, uh, what was that, um, Elysium, that Matt Damon movie? Uh huh. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, look it up. I mean, that, that's a whole thing we could dig into at some point. That, that's, um, <laughs> that is a crazy monarch who just has, just mon- like unimaginable amount of money. Doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. It's called the line. Is that what you said? Uh huh. A hundred and six miles zero carbon city project in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Yeah. Let me look at this. Oh wow. Yeah. It does. It kind of looks exactly what I was, what I was imagining. A little bit. I mean, who wants? This is not what human beings were meant for. You know, I'm not saying we have to go back to, you know, uh, agrarian pre-American revolution, but this is just not what human beings were meant. Yeah, it's almost like they took the Great Wall of China and they were like, what if we only lived inside the wall? (laughs) Instead instead of using it to protect. Exactly right. (laughs) It's like, it looks retarded. And the outside Uh, would be a giant mirror. Yeah, that's not going to fuck with the local uh, environment. Yeah, that's bizarre. I, I, I think don't I actually might have. I think Joe might have actually brought this to OBDM. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I've seen this somewhere. The line. I, I honestly don't know that this thing could be. It doesn't look like it would work. I don't think it's well, no, but I don't think it could ever feasibly really be completed. No, I mean it's ambitious. I I, I give credit for that, but it's also retarded. That is pretty retarded. Well, man, uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Is there anything else we need to get to? I got to work in the morning, so I got to wrap up here soon. No, no. I uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, I think we kind of stayed more or less on topic. Did a yeah. little meandering, but that's a good conversation. It was, it was good. So, Flying. I want you to call me the N-word. I should be able to say the N-word. The N-word. <laughs> you know what the N-word is? <laughs> is that funny? It's pretty funny. Well, uh, anything you, anything you got coming up or anything you want to plug? Anything at all that I can link in the show notes of the episode? Uh, no links um, at the moment. I'm in the development stage of starting a show uh, that's going to be focused on um, basically looking at, at subjects in history. I'm, I'm a history-obsessed guy. Looking at subjects in history – through a lens that maybe isn't quite the prevailing narrative, just, you know, asking questions and and rethinking, like, do we know everything about certain topics, you know, um, the Napoleonic Wars, you know, what were Napoleon's motives? That that's one, Um, you know, the civil war, what were the real, like just cutting out the propaganda? Like what were the aims of both sides? You know, what events got another one that I want to do is like, did Britain, basically more or less make world war one far, far worse. And, and, you know, just so looking at different subjects, different time periods through history. And I, the vision is to have 
you know, his, historians who go, you know, a little bit against the grain as guests and, and just talk about different historical topics. That sounds awesome, man. Thank you. That's like the, a harder core I'm, history. The harder, yeah, the harder yeah. core history. Harder core. Yeah. Without turning into a, a total, you know, fucking shit lib. You got a work, you got a working title for it yet? I do. A theory of history. Okay. Nice. I love that. How does that sound? That's yeah, pretty you good. Like that? Yeah, yeah, dude, that's the the hardest, and I I did a terrible job with it clearly. But the the hardest part of starting a podcast is coming up with a damn name. Everything's been taken, <laughs> but that's, that How sounds like you? a good one. Do what? How did you come up with the name? Uh, well, ABS was the initials of me and my original two co-hosts. So abs, and then a six pack because we would drink a six pack of beer usually during the show. So our initials, abs, and a six pack, and I just had the I had the. In, the vision for that original art with the really fat guy, the huge stomach, but he's got a like yeah. six pack a chiseled six pack in the middle of his fat fucking stomach <laughs> holding a six pack of beer. So once I had that in my head, I was like, well, I have to go with that, but it's just the hardest fucking podcast name to spell and type out. I spell it all weird, but yeah, a theory of history. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh so that, so hopefully no one hearing this steals that, but if they do, I, well, I, <laughs> Uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's try to, uh, well, I can take that up if you want me to, but I don't think anybody would do that. I have a good audience of friendly people for the most part. Wow. We're joking well, cool. around again, sir. Well, thanks it again. I'd far. love to do it again. It's like it always does. Someone always gets hurt. Hell yeah, dude. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, oh, I have a producer I need to thank. Uh, the dudist on no agenda. So no agenda social, uh, Donated big, big time donation. So he'd be the uh, producer of this episode with a hundred dollar donation coming in. So thank you, sir, very much. He's he sent that, I guess, as a motivation for me to do a clip compilation Vegas episode similar to the one I did for Sandy Hook. (laughs) He's uh, (laughs) well, thank you, dudist. Yes. And uh, let me check the boostograms here real quick. See Brooklyn coming in. Uh, with no message, but 3,300 sats. Those are little bits of Bitcoin that you can donate in a podcasting 2.0 app. And uh, Weirdo coming in. 3,300 sats as well. He says, this is for the Dogman episode. And thank you, Weirdo. And then uh, I see some people coming in. Uh, weirdo also was streaming some sats uh, as he listened. And uh, I think that catches us up. Oh, NetNed coming in for the last episode, I guess, with 9,900 sats. He says, love for you both. No homo. Love for both of <laughs> you. No homo. And yeah, and then some more people streaming sats. Uh, Sir Jared of South Burian uh, coming through Podcast Guru was streaming. It looks like 99 sats a minute for some episode. I can't tell which one. And uh, appreciate all that. If I, uh, Hopefully I got everybody there. And Jeff, thank you. Uh, People, I guess I never said it in the beginning, but people probably uh, have heard you calling in to OBDM at least a couple times. So, Jeff and DC. Yeah. Jeff and DC. Destro. 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 Well, thanks, man. And uh, have a hey, good night. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye, everybody. Juice Rock! I love Juice! Whoa. That was transcendent.
all walls meet demolition. So Wall Street had to keep the tradition. Their financial systems resigned to admission that out of the ashes we have arisen. And Ambire is forward to the fire of ambition. In business there isn't the time for attrition. Then best to suppress and adjust competition. Then each acquisition this new ammunition. When governments crumble and fall to the floor. They must pay to the graves of a corporate war. A fundament funded and blood to the shore. A foundation for founding our covenant. Foreign of a need for patrol. A societal anthem. The enterprise at the price. Off your indemnity. Chart out the course. And of course you are meant to bend to the will of a corporate entity. Our soccer security. You're in safe hands. was a power till he need rewiring. Abrasakas of the spark and then it bucked upon the path that spark to lightning. There's no autonomous megalopolis of populace of prosperous who could reside in. And every citizen was living in the city as their digit on the charts were climbing. Political systems are too inestition, but spit like the atom that burned to the fission. Now every department and every decision defoges the modes of our with division. If you don't remember the ballot you cast, it's printed on every receipt you were passed. Each time you selected our products and services, we were elected in each of your purchases. What's that to do when you've got the monopoly? Turn the consumer into the commodity. It isn't hard. We ignored when you're all the Honestly, you read the company policy. Take information and trade it for wealth. You pay in each augmentation we sell. It's easy to cut out the middleman when he's cut out Milton himself. Arasaka Finance. Investing in your future. straight from your head to your pocket complain if you want you still making deposits of data each day you log on as a profit society current they list electronic so isn't conducting resistance ironic with plenty of skeletons locked in our closets but yours are assembled from old stock hydraulics Lucky we know just the pieces you need all plots of your social media feeds the places you go and the posts that you lead all snatched from new algorithms to feed now holding our gold is barb of the brand our silver is sat in the palm of your hand with whining and sighing on the line on the sand that's the flight of mass gets and makes with demands. Arasaka Manufacturing. Building a better tomorrow. Career aspirations. Political
it's holding a check or a gun. But fingers go deep in your pockets, and you can live under the thumb. You seem so surprised. What did you expect? We're thinking outside of that box that you checked. The terms were presented in full to inspect. You scroll to the end just to get to accept. I would like to know your location. Shitmyass.com. 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 <laughs> oh, God. Well, dummies, you just wasted another amount of your non-precious time listening to abs in a six-pack. When are you going to stop? You know, there's very few of you. If, you, if this is like a hands-on-a-hard-body thing of trying to figure out who will be the last person to actually listen to this show, it's a lose-lose proposition. By the way, he asked me to do this. The head moron who makes the show. <laughs> ha! The secret is, I think he's the biggest moron of all. It would indicate that you're a bigger moron for listening to his show. However, I think somehow that's not true. He actually is a bigger moron than the rest of you. Anyway, go outside. Read a book. Ride a bike. Take a walk. Go walk a dog. Go kiss somebody. Whatever there is, I can think of one million things to do better than listen to this dumb, crummy show. Abs and a six-pack. Well, I bet for most of you, you're half right. <laughs> this is Master Shake. Do something with your lives. <laughs>